Welcome to the climb! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. Leverage is where it's at. The days of being a diamond in the rough and being groomed by a record label or a management company are, are no longer. They want to see that you can write. They want to see that you can perform. They want to see that you know how to make records. They want to see that you can sing and that people like what you're doing. That's why we called this The Climb, C-L-I-M-B, Creating Leverage in the Music Business. That is a Baxteronym that is proffered up. I'm a good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And he also helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you can write like a pro, do business like a pro. And not only that, on a regular, he connects you to the pros. And you can find Brent at songwritingpro.com. Once again, songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally, and they're identifying new fans through data. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production, singular, no S, and there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. What's happening, brother? Man, I've, I've already gone through my first mug of coffee, and as soon as this is over, I'm going to go reload. So <laughs> if, I, if I'm a little drowsy by the end of it, that's all right. It's not it's <laughs> lack of love. It's lack of caffeine. What do no, we got man, going I'm on today? I'm good. What I'm going to do today is uh, we're going to share. I've done a few of these recently. So if you like this one, go back and check out some others. I did a hang interview with Kent Blazy. So the hang is something that is done almost exclusively on the songwritingpro.com website for members only, for subscribers. Every once in a while, I did one this morning with Billy Montana, who's written bunch of hits and some great songs and i just get a music industry pro a writer producer somebody interviewing for 30 minutes and it lives in the member area but some of this stuff is just so good i just want to bring it out of the vault out of the archives did this last year with kent blazy and mm. so kent is a just an incredible songwriter he wrote if tomorrow never comes with garth and going down the sun comes up yeah just so so many oh like you know, when I was sitting on a hay bale, literally with my buddy Tim Mites in, in Arkansas and and gotten bit by the songwriting bug and it's like 3 a.m. We're out camping and we're singing Gar songs that Kent helped write. And to, I've been blessed to get to know him. I've written several songs with him. And, you know, you're in the room. And he's like, when am I going to go ahead and do the geek explosion on him? By the way, Kent, just so you know, your songs, that's a lot of why I'm here. Oh, I just had to get that out. Anyway, what do you got today? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know, and so Kent's one of those guys for me that was like sitting on that hay bale, seriously writing songs back in Arkansas, like that crew, Larry Bastian, Kent Blazy, Pat Alger, Garth, you know, and you see those names. And he co-wrote like, uh, Ain't Going Down Until Something Comes Up with yeah. Kim. Um, Kim Williams. Kim Williams, yeah. That's right. Yeah, like those were the, and Victoria Shaw, you know, and I've been blessed to like have written with several of those and it's just crazy so can't Killer. always have a special place in my heart but we do a, a good interview and and just want to share that today but if you if you like that if you want to see the video or if you want to see the other hang sessions then you can go to songwritingpro.com and check out the subscriber area if you're not a subscriber you should change that maybe today before we get into it let's uh, mm -hmm. take care of a little business here it's a digital world out there mm -hmm. but it's still huge right now while we're in transition while we're getting better at being a digital world you still need some physical media for the independent musicians out there digital royalty payments are so small that selling products like cd vinyl t-shirts etc at these gigs has become an important income generator it's what's going to get you to the next town that's right. It's a funny thing about those, you know, streaming royalties, right? You talk about income, get you to the next town. A lot of people are like, hey, man, I'm up on Spotify. I'm up on these streaming platforms. First of all, for every 3,000 streams, you know, you get, that's the same amount of money for like the price of one CD you could be selling at your shows. So yeah. one CD, 3,000 streams. And the 3,000 streams aren't really going to help you get to the next show because those aren't going to show up for like at least a quarter. <laughs> Three months. Yeah. Okay. So you 
you're leaving money on the table when you don't have merch on the table. Thankfully, our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your disc and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and T-shirts. And you can find them online at discmakers.com. That is D-I-S-C, makers.com. Or you can give them a call at 800-468-9353. That's 800-468-9353. All right. If you haven't joined the Climb community yet, please do so. It's uh-huh. Facebook group for the climb for climbers listeners of this podcast and it's not your normal facebook group where it's tumbleweeds and <laughs> people know, yelling into corners and nobody listening. <laughs> yeah exactly and this is super active people helping other people got marketing questions songwriting questions there's co-writes are being hooked up there yeah people helping each other out we're super proud of it so you got to ask to be let in but we let everybody in and we do it with a bang, right? It's a mm-hmm. big, <laughs> it's a big party when you come in. Like <laughs> you will get a shout out, and yeah. that's one thing. I, yeah, that I love about it is that you know Johnny will usually post "Welcome to the Climb," and other people on there saying "Welcome." So immediately you're being welcomed in. And it's a chance to connect, and it's great. Dig it, dig it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you consume podcasts, so that you get every episode in order and you can consume them at will. Make sure you don't miss nothing. Mm-hmm. Leave a rating and review. We're trying to get to 200 as quick as we can here. So we're, I think we're up to 150 now. We need another 50. We need yeah. another 50 there. So, you know, hopefully it's a five-star review, but whatever it is, we we'll read them it. all on the air. Yeah, That's even right. if they're terrible, we read those. <laughs> That's right, because <laughs> we we'll find some humor in it anyway. <laughs> That's right. And the best thing you can do is actually tell a friend about it. If this is helping you out, if you're finding value in this, then make sure other people know about it. Turn them on to this podcast because we're doing this to, to help everybody. We want you to win. And the more people we can get in front of, the better that is, right? Amen. Amen. So, Kent Blazy, man. Kent Blazy. I can't wait to hear I know. this. So why don't we go ahead and get to that right now? Let's cut to the interview. Let's do it. All right. Our guest today is a Kentucky native who scored his first hit in 1982 when Gary Morris took headed for a heartache to number five on the charts. Soon, cuts followed by artists including the Forrester Sisters, T. Graham Brown, Donna Fargo, and Mo Bandy. Then, in 1987, Bob Doyle introduced our guest to a demo singer named Garth Brooks, and the world changed with songs including If Tomorrow Never Comes, Somewhere Other Than the Night, Ain't going down till the sun comes up. It's Midnight Cinderella, and she's going to make it. Bottom line, our guest today has made more money off me as a fan than he has off me as a co-writer. So, (laughs) (laughs) but far from being a one artist wonder, our guest has also pinned the number one hit for Chris Young, his single Getting You Home, which is also known as the Black Dress Song, as well as cuts by Kenny Chesney, Randy Hauser, Reba, John Party, and more. So, Kent Blasey, thank you for hanging with us today. Oh, thanks for asking. It's great to be with you. Good to see you again. It's been too long. This is a, a good excuse for me to reach out to people I haven't seen in a while and just give me yeah. an excuse to chat with them. Great idea. So use what you got. I got internet, so I'm going to use it. Exactly. It's there we go. Exactly. Yeah. So my goal for today over the next, say, 30 minutes or so is to inspire, educate, and motivate our fellow songwriters, people that are trying to get you know where you are and trying to just climb that mountain and, and get some cuts and, and make some waves in the business. And I want to do that by having an honest conversation, kind of keeping it real, talking about the ups and the downs and that sort of thing. So you ready? Sure. All right. So the first thing I like to do is talk about the cuts and the bruises. So your best story of getting the cut, right? And songwriting cut is a good thing. Most of the world is not, but for us, because we are upside down people, it is a good thing. And then also talk about, you know, one of the, I don't know if you say your best story or your most painful story, whatever you want to share of your music business bruise, some sort of, you know, the flip side of the cut, the, the thing that didn't work out the way we would have wanted it to, you know, let folks at home know it's not all wine and roses. So you're, you're ready to dive into that? Oh yeah. All right. What's your best story of your best cut story? Well, I have to say every cut has a story, but Mm -hmm. uh, my favorite one is I met Garth Brooks because he wanted to sing demos in my studio and he said, well, I'll write a little bit too. So we set up a writing appointment. And at that time when we wrote, Garth was cleaning churches and selling boots and had nobody give him a record deal. They said, nobody's going to sign somebody named Garth. And so we wrote our first song together, a song called If Tomorrow Never Comes, and he didn't have anything going on. We pitched that song for about a year. We thought it was a good song, and nobody was interested at all. 
So we set up a time to rewrite the song, and that same week before we could do that and probably mess it up, he <laughs> got to play one song at the Bluebird. An artist who was supposed to be there didn't show up, and they told Garth, come in and you can play one song. He played If Tomorrow Never Comes. Lynn Schultz from Capitol Records happened to be in the audience to hear the other artists, and he'd passed on Garth for the third time that week. And he said after the show, maybe we missed something. Why don't you come back in? So Garth went back in, got a record deal. And If Tomorrow Never Comes ended up being his second single and our first number one together. So it's just one of those magic things. The Bluebird was involved and, you know, one song. So you just never know in this town when that magic's going to happen. Yeah. And good thing he showed up to bother playing one song. Exactly. Make that drive out to Green Hills for one song. Yeah, exactly. And and that has a lot to do with it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, taking that extra step that some people just wouldn't bother. Like, oh, I already got passed on the third, you know, by label this week. I'm going to go home and lick my wounds. and. Yeah, whatever. exactly. So, you know, that says a lot about him and his perseverance and what can happen when you do that. Awesome. Well, good story. Okay, well, what's the flip side of that cut? Of Maybe not that cut in particular, but another story, a Music City, you know, bruise. Well, I kind of have two. One was I was writing with Garth and Kim Williams one day, and Garth said, I want to play you a song that I really like, but I don't understand the title. And so we said, well, sure, play it for us. Maybe we can help you. So he played it, and about halfway through, I realized it was something I'd written with Harley Allen. And it was a song called The Only Good Years We Ever Had Are On My Pickup Truck. (laughs) And so we played the song. And so I knew it was my song. So what am I going to say? I just kept quiet. And Kim Williams said, Garth, how can you not get that title? What's the matter with you? Are you stupid or what? And so Garth kind of gave him this look. And he went in and cut it that day. But then... He called me about a week later and he said, hey, that song we cut didn't make the record. So anytime you don't make a Garth record, that's that's pretty bad. That's yeah. But the, the weirdest one was I got a call on a Friday from the Diamond Rio people and they said, we cut two of your songs. First one's going to be the next single on the record. So the whole weekend I'm elated. Monday morning, I find out neither one of them made the record. Oh. What the hell happened over the weekend? <laughs> Single on a cut to nothing on the record. Right. I think that was the, the biggest bruise, you know. It's like being told one thing and promised it mm-hmm. and then it never come true. And Diamond Rio's great. So that just, oh, you know, yeah. that wouldn't hurt on anybody, but somebody, you know, like that. Yeah, and I love those guys. I'd had a couple cuts by them. I actually had a song that went number two by them, so I was very excited about it. They were both up-tempo, you know, seemed like good radio records, and all of a sudden they were gone, never to be heard of again. I've had that, stuff like that too. Well, maybe not made it to the studio, but had the thing about, well, I think this could be the first single. And next thing you know, the artist, new artist is out of a deal. Like, yeah, or having the artist tell you, I think that's a perfectly written song, you know, put it on hold, like right before they finish the record, then they don't cut it. Right. Or the other thing they do is they take your song around as this is the song. This is what we're looking for. This kind of stuff. Right. And the song doesn't make the record. And it's like, (laughs) could that be what you were looking for? But it's not what you were looking for. Right. (laughs) So that hurts. So thanks for sharing that. So everybody listening or watching at home, Stuff happens, right? It's it's not all an unbroken string of yeses for anybody. Exactly. Yeah. I look at it as, you know, those are good problems to have because at least you're in there, you're swinging, you're, you're in the business is what that means. Like it's, you know, a higher level of no. I remember the first most exciting no I ever got was I had just moved to Nashville and I'd been making some trips and, and getting to know a publisher at RPM, one of their pluggers over there. And so the week I moved there, I got another meeting with her and played her a couple songs and I played her one song and she goes, Oh yeah, I know that song. I played that for Tim. I was like, McGraw. She's like, yeah, well he passed on it. But I was like, he heard my song. Yeah. I just moved to town like a week or two before. And that set me up for a while. Just the excitement of going, he heard my song. I was, there was a chance. That's right. And you need those chances. You know, my theory is if it never gets, pitched it's never going to get cut and if nobody ever hears it it's not going to get cut so if you can at least get somebody's ear you got a Mm -hmm. chance 
Right, exactly. All right. You mentioned your, your studio and, and that Garth wanted to sing some demos for you. And that was something I made a note on. I saw in your bio that you opened your, your own home studio like back in the 80s. And through that, you met several demo singers who would go on to be you know hit artists like it mentioned Randy Travis and Billy Dean, Trisha Yearwood, Joe Diffie, Martine McBride. I guess part of it was maybe economics. Like you get your own studio, you don't have to directly pay for the time, even though you know, you're paying for it. But was meeting those demo singers and having people co- kind of come to you, was that part of a strategy on just meeting people or was it just unforeseen benefit, I guess? Well, I, I saw what was kind of happening with writers and that it was really tough to make a living just being a writer. And so I had been doing some studio work as a guitar player and I just decided I'm going to start a little demo studio and I can play about any instrument except for drums that has strings on it. And so I could do most of it myself. But when you sing like me, you need to have demo singers. Mm -hmm. I was working in a band with Billy Dean at the time. So he became my main demo singer. But then he told other people, you know, if you get Billy Dean singing a demo, people want to know, well, where'd you do the demo? Who's singing it? And all that kind of thing. And so I kind of build up a clientele of doing demos for other songwriters and making a living that way. And because of that, other demo singers wanted to let me hear them and see what they would do. And that's all the people you named. And the interesting thing is none of them could get a record deal. All right. So here you are working with, you know, Trisha Yearwood or especially Joe Diffie and mm. Darth and all those people and nobody's interested in signing them. Right. And so when I work with these young artists these days and they're so down, I just say, you know, look, I was working with all these people that became big stars and nobody would give them a record deal. So that it means nothing. It just means being in the right place at the right time with the right song or somebody hears your voice and the whole thing can change. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. The other funny story about that is Trisha was my favorite female singer Mm -hmm. and she still is of anybody in the world. And so when I started using Garth, I'd already been using her for a while. And I kept telling Garth, I've got this demo singer you need to hear. She's great. She's my favorite. He's like, Oh, I got somebody I use. I'm really happy with her. Mm -hmm. I kept on him for like six months and he's real stubborn and I'm real stubborn. (laughs) I couldn't get him to hear Trisha. So I wrote a duet where they had to come in on the same mic to sing at the same time. Yeah. And that happened, the whole world changed. Nice. So pretty cool. You know, he kind of flipped out and he had just started getting a record deal. So he helped her get a record deal and put her out on the road. And mm-hmm. I just wanted them to sing together. I didn't ever think they'd get married. But <laughs> right. Yeah. So, it was yeah. Pretty cool. so that's, that's the other magic that can happen is just, mm-hmm. you know, putting things together that who knows where they're going to go. And, Sometimes it's spectacular. Yeah, I think that's smart. I mean, I've talked to other people about, you know, the the slash, you know, songwriter slash producer, songwriter slash artist, whatever it might be, that so many people, just the economics of writing songs dictates, you, you may have to do something else to help put food on the table. And I think it's smart. It's, it's also what I'm doing is something like you did in the business where it still keeps you around people in the business and actually kind of helps them come to you and that sort of thing was instead of just going and waiting tables or doing something else, which is fine if you need to do it. And I've done it, but I think it's smart if you can do something in the business that way they just feed each other. Yeah. And that's what I was doing. You know, I was playing in a band three nights a week and I was doing the demos for other writers. And then when I had time in between, I would be writing songs. So it was like everything and anything I could do to just stay in the business. Mm Mm-hmm. And kind of that's what you got to do. And I think the best thing for young songwriters these days is Uber. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's something you can do when you want to do it. And, mm-hmm. you know, where you're talking about advice for young songwriters. I don't know how a young songwriter coming to town these days could make a living being a songwriter. Cause I don't right. think anybody really pays draws cause there's no money coming in mm-hmm. unless you have singles. So Uber came along at a good time. I think so. I, I looked at that at one point. My car was too old. <laughs> but that's all right. It pushes you to do other things, which are good. But yeah, I, I know my podcast buddy, Johnny, he, he did that for a few years while he was getting his business off the ground in the music business doing, you know, like artist development, that sort of thing. And yeah, I think if you can do something like that, and I remember before I moved to Nashville, that was, and that was 2000, late 2001, 2002. I moved to Nashville in March of 2002. And 
and doing a lot of thinking on that going, okay, I'm moving not into the music business, but I'm moving to get into the music business. So I'm going to have to have a job. You know, if I do a night job like waiting tables or something, then my days are free to write with people. But kind of at night is when you meet those people to write with during the day. But if I work during the day, you know, the pros aren't, you know, a lot of them don't write at night and, and just trying to figure that kind of balance out uh, was part of the math I was doing before I moved. Well, and that's brilliant that you thought of that because it is, I've seen people take a day job when they come to town and then that kind of negates them being able to write, like you said, with most of the writers that write during the day and go home at night, you know, mm-hmm. then there's the other side of it. If you don't hang out at night, you might not meet people. So it's, it's kind of a double edged sword. You have to figure out what works for you. Mm-hmm. I know for me, I was pretty blessed. I, I rented a room for my uncle's mother-in-law over in West Nashville. So my uncle's from Nashville in that area. And so she was renting rooms out cause all of her kids were out and she was widowed. And so I'd stayed with her on one trip in. So I just rented a room from her and started waiting tables at the Cracker Barrel right down the hill, right off the, uh, you know, the kind of the Bellevue area that, yeah. that Cracker Barrel there off Charlotte. And my roommate worked at Billboard, happened to know somebody at that Blue Water Music was looking for a data entry person. And so that's how I got, connected with them and started doing data entry from like nine to one. Then I have a break in the day, then go do some waiting tables. But that was, you know, I can move that around enough. But then I was going to the row every day for my part-time gig and meeting writers that way and meeting other publishers. So it was kind of blessed that way. It got me in the business, even though it was, you know, putting in Jim Lauderdale's and Kim Ritchie's, you know, royalty statements. But that taught me about the business part of it too. So Right. And sit around and listen to those songs in that catalog at the same time. You're learning a whole lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was tearing up the catalog, Chris Knight and yeah, a lot of, a lot of great writers through there. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, let's dive into just some, I guess, two types of advice. You, you mentioned, you know, advice for aspiring writers, business advice and craft advice. Cause those are two, you know, different sides of the music business, right? I just kind of like to hit both sides of that. So if there's any sort of like business type advice, whether it has to do with how you conduct yourself, publishing that kind of stuff, any advice for people? Well, my biggest advice that you'll laugh at that I tell most of the young songwriters, and this is kind of hoping to oyster their ability to dream. But I say, now when you have your first big hit, pay the government first. Mm-hmm. Do not say, look, I got all this money coming in. I can spend it all. Right. One third of it's going to go to the government. So you better put it away or you're going to be on the back end the whole time. Mm-hmm. No, but, that's great advice. You know, the best advice I give people is if you're able to write with anybody and everybody, but if you can definitely get with an established songwriter, be prepared. Come in with titles, song ideas, musical ideas, that's the most important thing to me. There's so many people that new kids that they bring to me that they come in and it's like they have nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's not that it, they're writing with Kent Blasey, they need to be prepared, but it works for anybody. You know, you have to pull your weight. You can't go into a writing appointment and just sit there. Right. And, but I see that more and more all the time. You know, I got no ideas or, you know, and it's like, well, let's go to lunch. <laughs> right it's one of those things where it's your job you mm-hmm. know and the biggest inspiration to me was kim williams you know when he came to town he wrote four times a day every day wow. with anybody and everybody he wrote from eight o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night almost every day and when he wasn't doing that he was in the library looking for titles he was reading he was going to movies He was doing everything he could to, as he said, fill that well. And, you know, he wasn't that great of a a guitar player or whatever, but he knew that he had to kind of get better at that too. And he did that. And so he became a well-rounded writer because of that. And he worked harder than anybody I've ever seen. And because of that, four years later, he was songwriter of the year, two years in a row at ASCAP. Hmm. It was that drive, but it was also that knowledge of what he needed to do to be ready. So if he was writing with a a Garth Brooks or a a Joe Diffie or something, he 
had a title that he could bring in, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the most important thing is, is being able to bring things to a writing appointment. If you can do that, the writers will definitely be looking forward to writing with you again. It's like, well, that guy or that girl has ideas. She brings in musical ideas or titles or mm-hmm. long ideas. And if you don't have that, it's like, you know, going to work anywhere and just going, well, I think I'll go hide in the corner. <laughs> right. On the Walmart, you got to put in your time, whatever you do at Walmart. So mm. it's way, just saying you're a songwriter doesn't mean anything unless you're really chasing after your craft. Mm-hmm. That means, you know, reading books, seeing movies, taking other people's life experiences or yours and bringing them into a songwriting appointment. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Yeah, I think that's huge. Well, first of all, the tax thing, I remember because Monday morning church was Alan Jackson top five and it was my first, first cut really. It was first cut of any sort of label or anything. And so that was two years after I moved to town. Do it. Good way to start. It's a heck of a way to start. It totally screws up your idea of how the business works. You just think there's nowhere to go, but level off, you know, so that happened two years after I moved to town and, you know, thankfully, yeah, that I put money back for that. But that check I wrote to the government was one of the biggest checks I'd ever seen. Sure. And it was more than what I made the year before. Right. <laughs> you know, and that check was more that I'd sent to the government than what I made probably the next year, or at least two years after that. You know, there's I have there have been plenty of years I haven't made as much as what I sent to the government that year for taxes. Yeah. And so you have to be prepared for that or it'll jump up and get you for sure. And then, like you said, the next two years, you don't have that money, but the government doesn't care. They still want their money. They want it. Right. And also, yeah, that's one thing I've always tried to do as a lyricist is bring in ideas. And if you're a melodic person, bring in melodic ideas, whatever your thing is, that value that you can bring. Because to me, that's just being a professional is showing up prepared for work. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like a, you know, football player shows up for the season. They're all out of shape. Well, you know, it's time for practice. I'll get in shape now. no. That's not how we do this. Well, and the other thing that, that I've heard more often than I care to hear is, oh, man, I don't have any ideas, but you ought to hear the three songs I wrote this week. They're just killer, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, well, good for you, you know? <laughs> right. Telling me that. It's yeah. like, I'm not, I may not be on it today, but I want you to know I'm good. Right. Is, uh, you yeah. know, the thing is, it's like people say, well, let me send you what they've done see if you want to write with them. And I'm like, what matters is what happens in that room. Mm -hmm. Anything can be, you guy could have maybe not written any of the song that he's got his name on, or he may have written the whole thing. But what matters is when we get in the room, what do you bring? Mm -hmm. You know, and the rest of it's just people can make stuff up. Like I've had song pluggers that worked in my companies that think certain writers are great writers. And I know for a fact that they just kind of, end up being in a room where other people write the songs. Mm-hmm. But they don't know that unless you're in the room. So right. that's where the truth is told when you're sitting in a room. 
Yeah, the way I always looked at it, especially early on when I was first, you know, blessed to get in the room with people that had, you know, had hits and I didn't have anything going on is, and, and the way I tell people, it's like, okay, you know, a Kent Blazy, a Byron Hill, a, you know, these people that have done it again and again, they know how to write a song. So they don't need me in the room to write a song. You guys know how to do that. So I better bring something to justify my existence in that room, my presence in the room, which means I'm going to do my homework and I want to bring in some ideas and I want to bring in some starts and if nothing else, a sign of respect and going, I'm serious too. And that's part of being a professional. You treat it like a business and don't just show up and hope, you know, magic happens, which a lot of times, you know, you may not write the idea that the person brings in. I'm sure that happens a lot where you're like, well, next to next, but at least that's a great way to start a conversation other than just staring. It gives you something to start off on. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it lets the other person know that you did prepare for that. And mm-hmm. that's just, to me, very important. If you're writing with another writer that's a pro, be prepared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a sign of respect and and also just showing that you're serious. And that's a way to prepare to, to have my best chance of being productive in the room that day. Exactly. Because, you know, it's all ad lib once you get in there. But if I can at least bring in some stuff where I can throw some ideas out that I feel confident in and comfortable with, then that kind of builds my confidence for the day. Like, okay, I brought in some stuff. We may write it. We may not. That's all right. But at least, you know, I've done what I can do to prepare for the day. And then we'll see where the day takes us. And hopefully everybody's awake and had enough coffee that day. And exactly doing their deal. Hungover, you know. Right. Yeah. An event I did with Jimmy Yeary, he wrote, you know, I drive your truck and he's written some other stuff. And, you know, he, he looks at a lot like being a pro athlete. I mean, he watches what he eats. He runs every day. He does exercise, you know, mental exercises on the way into the row every day. And, you know, just, he's a, you know, being a songwriter is probably going to make him live longer because he takes care of himself because he needs his mind to run efficiently. And, and that sort of thing. It's just a great challenging way of looking at it and going, yeah, this is kind of a 24 seven, I want to be like an athlete and be at peak performance. Only we don't have an off season, but yeah, it, and it is a 24 seven thing, you know, and you have, you've kind of almost trained yourself, you know, you got your ears and your antennas up all the time listening for anything anybody says or anything, mm-hmm. you, see. you know, you wake up in the middle of the night with a song idea sometimes and mm-hmm. yeah, better get this down. Right. Yeah. You're, you're always on. I look at like any day you might be playing in the Super Bowl. You just don't know what day that day is going to be. Exactly. So you want to train and prepare like every day you go into a right. Cause you know, when we wrote Monday morning church, I'd never had a cut, didn't have anything going on. My co-writer Aaron was in college, never had a cut, knew some publishers, but never, you know, didn't have anything going on either, but we were playing in the Super Bowl that day. We just didn't know it. Exactly. And so just preparing like that and always bringing your best, I think is important. Yeah, you got to look like any day could be a Super Bowl day. Yeah, and that's exciting too. It is. Yeah. Writing with the artist, you know, you look at the country charts and it's obvious why so many people are talking about writing with the artist. And you've certainly had your major success writing with the artist. I'm just curious, like, how is your mindset different if you're sitting down, like after Garth got the record deal and you know, hey, this we're writing for his record versus writing without the artist in the room? Like, is there a difference in your mindset and kind of your, your process for writing if an artist is in the room versus like, we're just going to write this song and try to get a cut? Yeah, I mean, like Kim Williams and I talked a long time about this, but we would save back ideas that we thought were good for Garth. And, you know, you could go write them with somebody else. But if you know you're going to have the chance to get in a room with the artist and you have this amazing idea that you haven't heard anybody else come up with before, you kind of go, well, I could just go write it with whoever, or maybe I should put it aside till I'm writing with Garth or I'm writing with whoever. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing is, it's like Corey Batten talks about when we got with Chris Young for the first time and nobody liked anybody else's ideas. So you're in this room with an artist, which is hard enough. Mm-hmm. It's a hit single or he's gone. So there's no pressure, you know? <laughs> yeah. If we don't write something with this guy, he may lose his record deal. And we're sitting with the artist. So if we don't write something, we're pretty stupid, you know, that we didn't do something. So that's the kind of thing when you're with an artist, there's an added pressure of, well, this could change my whole life in, in one afternoon. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, it's not that it's not that way with regular songwriters or whatever, but you just know not many people get a chance to sit in a room with an artist and write. So you got to make the most of it while you're in there. Mm-hmm. Cool. And, and so I would imagine one experience I had writing with an artist was, you know, we're contemplating some sort of particular turn in the bridge, you know, and I was kind of him hawing about it, like, Oh, do we do this? Do we not do this? I'm not sure. And finally she looked at me and said, you know, we don't have to worry if the artist would say it. Cause I would say that I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. I'm not used to writing with the artist. <laughs> you know, it was a, a very different conversation than if we were writing for someone else. Well, that's the best part of being in a room with an artist. They, you kind of know, well, would they say this? Would they not say it? And like, if somebody says, well, I wouldn't say that. Okay. Well, what would you say? So I mm-hmm. want to be your song. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm. That's a, a great thing to remember. You got your shot. You better take it. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed any difference between, say, ideas that you would bring in to an artist to write versus if they bring in something they want to talk about? Because I've heard people say, well, you know, you of course you want to do your homework. You want to bring in your best ideas. And you and talked about Kim and you, you know, holding back maybe ideas to present to Garth and versus, hey, man, what's on your mind? What's on your heart? And trying to find the, the idea in that. I know they're some different ways of approaching it. Right. Well, you know, like with Kim and I, what we would do is we would schedule a day and just bring in our ideas and talk about them with each other. And we go, well, do you think that's something he might be interested in? And so we'd keep a list Mm -hmm. with him. And then if he passed on the ideas, then we could go write them with anybody we wanted to, but we were at least waiting till he said yes or no, Mm -hmm. because he was Garth Brooks. Right. Yeah. And uh, so we did our homework and we also just set things aside. And then if it was a yes or a no from him, then we knew what we could do with them. Mm-hmm. And him and I would find maybe another artist together or we'd take our own ideas or go other places. But we at least had put in the time and effort to see if he was interested first. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. You've had a, a remarkable career and good longevity. Again, I think, you know, your first hit was in 1982. Right. And so you've seen writers come and go, move to town, move back home, that sort of thing, have hits, stop having hits. What do you think has been the difference in creating that kind of longevity? Is it just work ethic, talent, luck, networking? Well, you know, the the one thing is it's a totally different world now than it was five years ago on Music Row, I Mm -hmm. suppose work or whatever so I kind of saw that happening I saw the the Spotify thing coming down the road and the digital downloads and so it's like okay our money's going to just pretty much disappear so what else can I do same like when I started the studio so luckily I love playing and singing and so I started this band like 10 years ago and we play around town and we play out on the road and then I've kind of worked getting the whole singer songwriter thing going where we go out different places and people love the stories behind the songs as much as they do the songs. So it's kind of gotten to be, okay, how do I reinvent myself? And then the other great thing that came along was this thing, CD baby Mm -hmm. and CD baby. You can do a record and put it out on CD baby and they get it to iTunes and all around the world. So I just started doing records back in 2004 and about not every year, but, Most every year I try to put a record out that's of new stuff that people can hear. A lot of times I'll put things on there that have been recorded by other artists, but it's an outlet all the time. And CD Baby sends me two checks a month, you know, Mm -hmm. and sometimes this is the crazy part. I make more in a quarter off CD Baby than I do from my publishing that I own on number one songs. Wow. (laughs) That's how bad publishing has gotten you know yeah there's a lot of zeros on there and they're on the wrong side of the decimal yeah (laughs) yeah um so that's interesting well it's kind of full circle what we talked about you know start your studio where you'd have a reason to be in the business and people coming to you and making money that way to kind of support your songwriting habit it's just another form of that only now since you've had hits and more of a name you can put out your own records and that's another way of kind of balancing out the the ebbs and the flows a little bit more. Exactly. And that's, that's the main thing is just 
figuring out how you're riding those waves of the ebbs and flows and mm-hmm. doing everything you can to keep the flow coming in. Right. I think it was raising your floor. There you go. Where, you know, if we may not get the highs, but at least the lows, you know, we're, we're raising how low they can go because of stuff we can do on our own because I'm a lyricist. And so I'm not going to be an artist. I'm not, and I don't have producer chops. And I remember, you know, thinking for a while on that, what's going to be my slash, what's going to be my other thing to, to help ride it out where, whether or not, you know, I got five kids. So whether or not my kids are going to eat is not so determined on does Kenny Chesney like my bridge in this exactly. song or not, which I hope he does. But in case he doesn't for a while, what are some other things we can do to stay in the game and to keep, cause I just love to write songs. So what's going to let me go do that another day. That your, your mindset's the same as mine. Yeah. Well, Kent, I, I appreciate you hanging with us. I think we've hit our half hour. Any place where we can go, where we can go check out your record or anything you might have going on in the future, this will live on for quite a while. So a website or any place where we can, uh, yeah. we can go find you. And- I, I kind of, I don't do Facebook, but I have somebody that'll put stuff on there every once in a while. <laughs> but KentBlazy.com has all the records that I've done. It'll take you to CD Baby and iTunes and like you did, find it today mm-hmm. and the, the gigs I've got coming up different places and where to find me around the country. There you go. In Nashville. Yeah. So kentblazy.com. So we can, we can go there and keep up with you and cyber stalk you that way and hopefully come stalk you in person at a show or something. Exactly. Excellent. Listening room uh, Friday night. There we go. All right. So you, y'all heard it here. So Kent Blazy, thank you so much for hanging with us and keep on writing. I want to keep hearing your songs. All right. Back at you. Thank you. All right. That was fun. Killer. Yeah. Killer. It's such killer a good dude and interview a lot man. of wisdom. Yeah. I, I love, I mean, there's a couple of things that, that hit me square over the head. Um, number one, that Uber came along at the right time. <laughs> yeah. I, this is how I built Daredevil straight up. How I built Daredevil mm-hmm. was Uber. I was, I did Uber for, probably 18 months, like right when it came to Nashville in 2014. And that's what I loved about it. I mean, I could work the weekends and mm-hmm. if somebody was coming through town on tour or something, and I had to take like a last minute meeting or whatever, I'm mm-hmm. off the app. <clears throat> I can go take care of my business and still get paid. And I was able to, you know, work nine to five during the week to, to get done what I needed to get done to, to build this up. So I was super thankful for that. And the, the second part is, that and I've had this conversation with a few of my artists like when we're developing them and they're a little you know on the young side it's hey this is a lifestyle yeah this isn't a destination like right (laughs) this is a lifestyle so you've got to figure out how to work that into your lifestyle like in Mm -hmm. and you know whether you know it's a day job or a night job or or whatever you're doing to, to make sure that you're constantly in the game because like you said, like you said, I think in the interview, it's you don't know what day might be the Super, the Super Bowl. Yeah, you don't know yeah. that you're right in the Super Bowl thing. You know, it's like every day we, you know, that you work, you show up and you're on the field and you're making, you're trying to make plays. And then at the end of it, and it may be like a year later, two years later, somebody sends you a notification. You know, sends you your Super Bowl ring. Yeah, <laughs> you know, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as a songwriter, especially like congratulations. You know, Garth just got your song. You just won the Super Bowl. I didn't even know I was playing in it, Yep. you know, and that's, you don't want that. Bring your A game every day. Bring your A game, not to like freak you out and pressure you where you have analysis paralysis where you don't, I can't write anything because this could be the Super Bowl. It's not that, but being, you know, bringing your A game, doing your best. And and remember that like every day we're training the Super Bowl week. What can I do to put myself in a position to win with each of my rights this week? I think is is really powerful to have that kind of mentality. Like we're not just killing time here. Well, I might be playing the Super Bowl. I'm gonna bring my best. I'm gonna stay off the freaking Twitter while I'm supposed to be riding. Focus. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You see exactly. Tom Brady back there in the huddle. What's the play? Uh, I don't know. Ooh, look at that. We're trending, guys. We're trending. What are and, we supposed and the to? Am I running? You know. Yeah, and the other thing, if you don't pitch it, it ain't gonna get cut. I mean, it's one thing to write the world's best song. You know, but if it stays in your basement and never comes out and never How gets dare you a not demo done. That. Yeah. How like, dare you keep hell? that to yourself? Yeah. Right. 
come on, come on with it. Bring it. Right. Bring it. <laughs> yeah. So, so good stuff. And again, if, if y'all like that and you want to, you want to hear it again, of course you can listen to it on the podcast. If you want to see Kent's handsome face talking to my face, you can do that at songwritingpro.com. It's in the members area and you have other interviews too with a lot of good folks on there. So a lot more where that came from. If you're interested, that's songwritingpro.com. But you know what? What? That's not all we got going on. That's not what all we got going on. Okay, <laughs> here's the thing about Songwriting Pro. We want to help you write like a pro, do business like a pro, right? And so I think the interview with Kent helped on two of those things. You know, think like yep. a pro, write like a pro, get some, you know, do business, and then mm-hmm. connect you to the pros. And so this next thing is all about connecting you to the pros. We have, it's play for publisher time again. And play for publishers coming up on March 19th. I'll be sitting down with music publisher Woody Bomar of Green Hills Music to listen to songs from the songwriting pro and climb communities. And here's how it works, right? So you enter your song. I listen, I choose the 10, I think have the best chance to catch Woody's ear in a good way. And then those 10 winners join me and Woody on a live zoom video conference. And he listens to your song and he gives you feedback. It's a real meeting with a real music publisher. He's pitching songs. It's what he does for a living. He is a music publisher and he's had success. And he's going to have more and hopefully it can be with you. So everyone who enters a song also. So the 10, you know, the top 10, I call them, will be in the meeting live. But everyone who enters a song gets to watch the video replay of the event, which is going to be full of real world wisdom and advice for songwriters on the climb up. Because I've had a bunch of meetings with Woody. He's a good dude. He's been around a long time. He has a lot of wisdom to share and he's going to give you some real advice. He's a straight shooter too. So everybody wins who enters a song. You may not get your song played, but there's going to be a lot of wisdom and advice, but it's only for people that enter a song. So it's not going to be up anywhere else. Not going to make a podcast episode out of it. It's like, if you want that wisdom and to see what it's like to be in a meeting with the publisher, you want to check this out. So yeah, you don't, you don't even have to submit a song. You yeah. Know, some just, people just, just pay the entry fee and, and, and get to be a fly on the wall exactly. and listen to, I mean, and not only do you get the wisdom from, from him, from the publisher, mm-hmm. but you're going to listen to 10 other songs that, you know, beat out the 300 that'll be submitted. Yeah. And so you get an idea where the, you know, where the competition is, like Mm -hmm. what, what other people are writing so that you get a gauge on where the bar is set and Mm -hmm. what kind of work you got to do, which is always good. It'll be the cold hard truth. Yeah. And, and secondly, and, and, but it won't be like face to face about you, right. You get to know for yourself. And like I said, just be a fly on the wall. No pressure. Yeah. And the other thing is, I think, man, because you're doing this like once a quarter, uh-huh. it's it helps a writer keep their finger on the pulse mm-hmm. of the trends on what's happening. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, one of the past ones you had, I remember the publisher was like, man, if I get another freaking demo tape with finger snaps on it. <laughs> I'm going to climb a tower with a gun. You know what I mean? Because that was like real hot songs and Mm -hmm. they were on the radio and everybody had that thing going on for Mm -hmm. about a year, but already the industry's passed it. So now if you, if you don't have your finger on the pulse of that and you're sending in demos with finger snaps on them, then already they're judging it, you know? And they're like, like, you know, here we go again, kind of a thing. So it helps keep you on top of that, man. That is for 90 minutes of time. Yeah. Yeah. Which is how (laughs) long the replay is. Yeah that is a small price to pay for that kind of an education for that kind of connection for that kind Mm -hmm. of plug-in it's killer so you you're 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 crazy if you're not doing this i agree i mean that's and that's why i do it to help connect people to the pros for the the people that make the meeting you know what's come out of that has been other meetings and like oh man is that you know sometimes it's like they've already met the publisher once but it's another we talk about reach and frequency it's mm-hmm. another reach, another frequency to go, oh, hey, yeah, good to see you again. Yeah, we have, when was the last time? We, yeah, you know, or yeah, email me that when this is over. Do I have a copy of this? I'm like, yeah, you have a copy of it. I'll send it to you. But yes, we'll get you that song, you know, <laughs> and, and connecting. And it's a door opener, not a deal closer, uh, but it's a door opener with the and, know, and for the artists, ammo, it's, it's not just about getting the publishing deal or getting a cut or something like that. It's about learning like learning. what's happening right now in the music mm-hmm. industry so that you can say, hey, uh, we need to switch up what we've been doing a little bit because this isn't, you know, they're not selling these kind of solo cups anymore. We got to go over here with these kind right. of solo. So but, it just keeps you, keeps you in the know. But also it does lead to some other meetings for some people. We can't promise yeah. it, can't guarantee it. But if you bring the goods, I mean, this is the publisher's business. This is for real. This isn't just yeah. for giggles. This is they're not they're not on, the, on this Zoom thing for their health. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. They're looking um, for writers. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. 
and then looking to keep the lights on. So to enter your song, you just go to songwritingpro.com slash events and just look for the play for publisher and it'll give you the details there. Also, or everyone who downloads my free ebook, Think Like a Pro Songwriter at giftfrombrent.com, you're going to be emailed details about this event too. So there are a couple of ways you can do it. One, hey, if you're already getting emails from us, you'll be hearing about it. Go to giftfrombrent.com. Enjoy a free ebook with wisdom about the songwriting business. And then also you get details about that or go to songwritingpro.com slash events. So many ways to find it. There you go. All right, guys. Well, that brings us to the end of another Killer Climb episode. Subscribe to the podcast. Join the Climb community. Leave a rating and review and tell a friend about it. We want to try to reach as many people as we can. This podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.